And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we begin a Wednesday, Gary, what is up? Well, I, I thought there would be a bigger celebration after the announcement yesterday. Mm. I thought not only here in the United States, but the entire world uh, would be celebrating after this. If you could do anything at all, Joe, what would you do? I said I'd cure cancer. They looked at me like, why cancer? Because no one thinks we can. That's why. And we can. We ended cancer as we know it. We ended cancer as we know it. I didn't know that. I I hadn't heard. I had not. I mean, the president announced it yesterday. You'd think that it would be a bigger story. Yeah, you'd think. You know, you think about it, ending cancer yesterday, Mm. finding out there's extraterrestrials today. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is this is big stuff. Right. Uh, You know, the the new uh, the new social media platform X. I think it's all coming together. I'm going to send out an X. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap because the whole thing just seems so boring. <laughs> it's like, Musk, Musk yesterday. From now on, you know, people, I want people to uh, refer to it. Not that you send out a tweet, but you send out an X. Yeah, did you? Hey, did you X me? Did you X on that? Did you X? Did hey, you, I, re, I re-X that. X me on that, will you? I re-X that. I'll, I'll re-X that. Did you I'll get, comment on your ex. Did you get my ex? You, yes. What are you talking about? I hated her. Why would I send you my ex? Did you comment on my ex? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you commented on your ex. <laughs> Everybody needs to get their ex out of here. Um, <laughs> you can all kiss my ex. Um <laughs> And I'm not paying oh, for it. Oh, boy, this is getting to be fun. <laughs> yeah. This is fun. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, everybody is smoking weed. That's what it comes down to. 
This is what happens. <laughs> we wanted to do the little exper- experiment, and here we are. Um, even in the states where they're not, where it isn't legal on recreation, uh, on the recreational level, it's still edging closer. I mean, every day. I mean, they're trying to get it done in Texas. Look, as long as you don't have, you can have up. Okay, you can have up to two hundred pounds. <laughs> hey, it's my personal stash. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we got a, okay, we listen. Got, we got a big party coming down here. Right. You can you can have a grow the size of the King Ranch, but nothing larger than that. You know, you may have a point. Everybody may be high. Uh huh. And, and and I'm thinking about just when I was you know out of town for the family reunion and and um, the uh, my high school reunion mm-hmm. and talking especially to uh, to liberals where there was no critical thinking at all and you and and we talked a lot about this yesterday and a few issues where they would just look at me like uh, mm-hmm. and I really went oh okay Beavis and Butthead. Mm-hmm. Seriously, I mean, it was as it's almost as if you're talking with human minds that have completely lost the ability to do any type of critical thinking. And where do you see that most often in people? When do people lose their common sense and their ability to do critical thinking? When they're high and drunk. Yeah. So everybody is high and drunk. I'm I'm pretty convinced. Well, on the left, at least. I'm pretty convinced there are a lot of people that are that are smoking weed right now. And it's it's frankly gone overboard. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> including Zuckerberg, <laughs> including think, Hunter's lawyer. I think Zuckerberg was clearly demonstrated, but <laughs> we're all going to be. A, shh, listen, listen, we're all going to be a cartoon. Oh, and I did. I did zoom in. Mm hmm. On Hunter Biden, that that one of his lawyers, you know, the yeah. one guy that that gave him the the two million dollar loan, right? And doesn't look like like it. I mean, it's a glass bong, but it's not like one of those fancy water pipes. not a fancy water pipe yeah, with a, the big long hose on it. it. See, that's the thing. A hookah pipe has the big long hose on it. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I think you have multiple hoses on it. I don't know why, by the way, I watched that documentary. Actually, it wasn't a documentary about that. It was a documentary about something else, but uh, for a few minutes they focused on that. But, yeah, so, no, then that's a bong. He's smoking weed. But it was was just a quote from the movie PCU that Mm -hmm. came out in the 90s. It was just a little binger to brighten up his day. Yeah. Which was said by what's-his-name's son. Hmm. Oh, I can't think of it. The guy with the blonde hair. The guy that played Buddy Holly. I got mine blank here. Oh, Gary Busey's Gary son. Gary Busey's son. Yeah. yeah. Who yeah. apparently, you know, is, uh, from what I've seen because of his father, is mm-hmm. a sober guy. Hmm. Really doesn't do it. He played a waste of He was him. really scary in the movie Contact. Yes, he was. <laughs> he really was. He was really scary in that <laughs> yes, movie. He he, when he looks into that camera... When he looks well, into that camera, oh, man, that was freakishly scary. Well, wait a minute. And I know, by the way, this is Jump Around Wednesday. Listen. Does, does this mean that tomorrow after the UFO hearing, mm. we're going to have all those people in RVs just spread all over the place and doing all those 
crazy things because that's where you saw him in yeah. contact. Yeah. The, the first, remember, they were driving right. by, and yeah. he's like, yeah. I think we might see some of that. You know what I'd love to see? A tribute to Robin Williams. Have the first person, you know, that's going to testify, have them get out of a giant egg as a tribute to Robin Williams. If, if, if we're going to do this, let's have some fun. And if the first words that come out is Nanu, Nanu. nanu. <laughs> Shazbat. <laughs> I would love that. And by the way, the Tic Tac thing is pretty close to a giant egg. I'm, if if you look at it right, yeah. So that would be great. It's well, going it, to be. It was you know the thing is uh, there was uh, did you see the story about Australia where something came up mm. on the beach, and and uh, I think I don't know if the New York Post had it, but I saw it yesterday. I'm just shaking my head. It's like, is this extraterrestrial? Well, experts believe it's either extraterrestrial or just a uh, human space junk. <laughs> right. You think it might be a spaceship? Well, here's or it might be. Here's here's the thing because now they're going all the way back saying the American government has known since Roswell and the Pentagon has kept it secret and has never told any president. Do you buy that? No. No. I think if we were going to learn anything, we would have learned it from Trump. And and rem- <laughs> and, and remember, well, the, well, the, the their entire point is they've never told a president that the Pentagon has known about this and has. Yeah. Never, never told, told the, the president. president. Any of the presidents right. uh-huh. have never been told about right. it. Right. Yeah, I believe it. All day. Sure. Well, I think I think uh, to combine topics, mm-hmm. uh, I think that uh, when Clinton found out about it, that's why he didn't inhale because he wanted to be straight mm-hmm. to deal with the extraterrestrial problem. I think that's actually why he smokes weed. If he smokes weed, I could be wrong about that. Well, the American, I'm not trying to start the American any rumors. public might reject the extraterrestrials if they don't get high. That's well, what, thing that's what is, we're dealing with this nation. As as a society, we're so high, we're going to look at it and go, "Yeah, of course they're here. We knew it all along. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. They could walk into the room. You know, they could beam into the room." They could beam into the room and people would go, well, yeah, of course. Well, I, I did, uh, from from what I know, he's going to testify tomorrow. He's actually going to have the book from the extraterrestrials mm-hmm. that they've given to all of uh, mankind and uh, to show mm-hmm. what their intentions are. And it to be serve mankind? To serve man, right. To serve <laughs> it's man. a book, book. Then not the greatest Twilight Zone ever. Oh, man. No, it was Beautiful. You know, the thing is, too, when they talked about, you know, remember Operation Blue Book that I remember in the 60s when, okay, we need to investigate all these extraterrestrials and the Pentagon was on top of it and all this stuff. And later on they went, well, the Pentagon was actually happy that the public bought into the UFO thing because then they were able to, you know, do their experimental aircraft and, uh, you know, and the public was focused on the fact is it's, it's a UFO, it's an extraterrestrial. So... You know, the only thing, the only difference between the Twilight Zone being, you know, the Twilight Zone, this this really intense drama, and a comedy is a rim shot. <laughs> it's a cookbook. But um, <laughs> get it? And then, and then at the end, <laughs> when the guy's in the 
spaceship, I mean, the, the, the cabin. Base, well, I'll, I guess it's more of a jail cell mm-hmm. because he can't get out of it. Yeah. And they keep trying to give him food. Yeah. We need to fatten you up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, I just kind of, I would give in and go along with it. Okay, well, and, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out happy. Come on, keep feeding me. And and they didn't like it when he was smoking cigarettes. Remember? Oh, yeah. There right. was no smoking in here. Yeah. I don't know. Smoked humans, pretty. I mean, from what I understand, I'll say this: if you ever find yourself in that position mm-hmm. that you're in the spacecraft, and uh, you know, you know where you know what your fate is, yeah. Uh, then I'll approve you getting high. Well, if they, if they, if you, if if you say, hey, uh, you guys have, uh, you know, any any kind of lotion or anything, and they hand you something and it says dry rub, you'll know. <laughs> you'll know. Just roll around in this. It, you, it, it's uh, exfoliating. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> You'll feel great. Will we be able to see the extraterrestrials? Because that was the other thing, that they, they're among us right now. Mm-hmm. Which brings us, of course, to Rowdy Roddy Piper and mm-hmm. They Live. Yeah. And the sunglasses. Yeah. I, Ooh, have, I have come here okay. to chew bubblegum and kick uh, <clears throat> posterior. And I'm all out of bubblegum. All right, that's not even... It's not, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm all out of bubblegum. They should have had more wrestlers in the movie. Some of his friends should have been in there. We should have had more wrestlers in that movie. I love the movie. You know, it's a B movie, but it's one of the greatest. Oh, it's just, it's, one it's of the, fun. It's one of the greatest B movies. It's just fun. It is. And when he puts on the sunglasses for yeah. the first time. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like, we don't need extraterrestrials at when you see those signs. We have the Democrats. Yeah. Obey. Obey. Yeah. Exactly. You put no. on the sunglasses, you see all the You could billboards. put that out in theaters, you know, a re-release in theaters, and just say, okay, now just think of it as the Democrats. <laughs> and show it. Oh, my gosh. This is scary. <laughs> it's a cookbook. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, they should have had more uh, wrestlers in the movie, I think. A few cameos. Yeah. That, by the way, that's one of the greatest fight scenes in a movie. Oh, yeah. The thing goes on and on <laughs> and on yeah. and on yeah. well, and because on. Because if you're going to do it, it's like, okay, we're going to have to do like a 10-minute wrestling match. It's gonna, <laughs> you know, it's gonna, that's what people came to see. You have Roddy in here, you're going to just have to have a fight. And it's going to have to be a long fight. <laughs> it's funny because I guess that never stood out to me. It's because it's what it what I would expect. If you put a wrestler in a movie, I guess anyone except for The Rock, you want long fights. Well, Keith David, the actor, I mean, that was the fight mm. between him and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. was just I mean, they kept punching each mm-hmm. other and it was mm-hmm. just and then remember the drones were above them watching. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great movie. It is. <laughs> Ooh, maybe maybe they'll bring some special glasses tomorrow. You know, the thing is, John Carpenter directed that. Yeah. 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 So that's crazy. All right. Uh, and still, it's more sane 
than anything we're dealing with today. <laughs> well, Los Angeles has turned into what the aliens caused on They Live. Oh, yeah. The aliens had the exact same effect on Los Angeles and the big cities that the Democrats have. Yeah, right. Yeah. It was it was like there was so many homeless camps. If you've mm-hmm. seen the movie, you know mm-hmm. that. That's yeah. If you haven't seen the no. movie, no, that's true. Yeah, I don't want it. We don't want to give it away. In fact, it's probably worse. It's probably worse now than the movie ever was. <laughs> Eight six six ninety red eye. On a hot summer day, the last thing you want to feel is a blast of warm air when you turn on your air conditioning. A malfunctioning AC system will leave you uncomfortably shifting in your seat, not to mention it can affect the safety and performance of your entire vehicle and your productivity. Keep your AC system running smooth and your deliveries on schedule this summer with the following maintenance tip. Replace your cabin filters at least once a year, as dirty cabin filters are possibly the most common cause of AC system malfunction, or worse, failure. Replace your cabin filters more frequently if you operate in a dirty or humid environment. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Let us uh, go to Corrine Jean-Pierre uh, yesterday in the White House press briefing. Uh, Devon Archer, he's going to be uh, having testimony for the Oversight Committee. Does, uh, I'm sorry, who? Devon Archer. Okay. Uh, Hunter Biden's business partner. Okay. Um, one, one, do you consider him a, is he considered a reliable witness? I don't have anything. I don't have any comment on, on this. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I just, I, I'm not, I've already, I, listen, we, I'm, I gotta go. Well, I mean, it's Devin Archer, not Devon, but, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's okay because, uh, the media just, uh, you know, that name apparently just came above, you know, came to their attention mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. We've already commented on that. No, 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 you haven't. No. It's, <laughs> yeah, we have. I, I just did. And, and is, and is, and is everything. My God. Is everything involving the Biden family now a conflict of interest? Yeah. Everything. I mean, you you yeah. you saw yesterday that the donor is one of the people who spent tons of money to buy, right? Yeah, Hunter's art. Yeah. Uh, Just so nobody else would have to look at it. <laughs> you might have done us. I've done us a favor. It's in a basement somewhere. <laughs> this one's. This one's. What I call crack. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, the buyer of uh, Hunter's Art visited Biden uh, White House 13 times after yeah. the first art uh, exhibition. Remember, nobody was supposed to know. Right. They were going to keep the buyers anonymous. Right. Which, by the way, we said then was the stupidest move politically. Oh, uh, we're not going to be telling anybody. We're just going to keep it anonymous to protect the buyers. 
Did you say protect the Bidens? No, I said protect the buyers. Because <laughs> it sounds like you're saying protect the Bidens. No, we said and, protect the buyers. And, and, and we'll get into the specifics of it. Then you had the longtime Biden ally who was a prosecutor in Weiss's office during the Hunter probe. Yeah. Called Hunter brother. And yeah. now they're looking. But, I mean, every story that seems to come out, it's like conflict of interest, conflict of interest, conflict of interest, mm-hmm. conflict of interest, conflict of interest. Who? And then, uh, you know, the, the, the plea deal. It's supposed to be sometime today, and uh, the the analysis I've seen is, oh, no, she'll rubber stamp it to, well, after Hunter Biden's counsel faces possible sanctions now after accusations of the from the judge of lying, lying. in the criminal tax yeah. case. Yeah. Not, I mean, I, I, who knows how it will go? Who knows? Yeah. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. The fourth branch of government, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. The judge presiding over the Hunter Biden criminal case threatened Biden's legal team with sanctions over allegations about lying to the clerk's office. Uh, The counsel is accused of avoiding proper court procedure to allegedly get information about IRS whistleblowers removed from the docket. The Delaware judge gave Biden's legal team until 9 p.m. last night. It's Wednesday, right? Yeah. (laughs) To to explain their side. Specifically, a lawyer from Hunter's legal team is accused of misrepresenting who she was when asking to remove amicus materials from the docket. She allegedly called to asked the clerk to seal the information instead of making a formal request to the uh, court. Uh, uh, 
the uh, court has, this is a quote, the court has discussed the matter with the relevant individuals in the clerk's office and has been informed that the caller represented that she worked with a particular group and requested amicus materials be taken down because they contained sensitive grand jury, taxpayer, and Social Security information. The order read, it appears that the caller misrepresented her identity and who she worked for in an attempt to improperly convince the clerk's office to remove the amicus materials from the docket, the judge added. The court will temporarily place the document under seal until close of business day on July 26 to afford the defendant the opportunity to try to make the requisite showing. The order read, uh, should the defendant fail to make the showing, the document will be uh, unsealed in its entirety. In a letter obtained by Fox News, Biden's legal team told the judge that the lawyer who called the clerk had accurately represented her affiliation with the law firm. The matter under consideration appears to stem from an unfortunate and unintentional miscommunication between a staff member at our firm and the employees of the court. We have no idea how the misunderstanding occurred, but uh, our understanding is that there is no misrepresentation. We hope this letter and the attached declaration dispels any suggestions that the undersigned counsel or our staff would would ever intentionally misrepresent or mislead the court with respect to any matter. Hmm. So... From what I know from this story, the judge has not responded to the legal team's uh, defense uh, on that. But the uh, the plea deal is supposed to take uh, effect today. Right. Or, and or the, the court hearing for the, the hearing plea deal. The hearing for the plea deal, yeah. yeah. And I have no idea. I mean, I like I said, I've read articles that said, oh, it's, you know, basically – these things just go through once it once the deal is made between the prosecutors or whatever it goes through. But I've read many articles from many legal experts that say the judge should reject this. I guess the point is, I don't know what the judge will do. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't have right. I don't have an inkling either. We way. don't have any indication either way. No, and so who knows? Um, you know, when you look at the analysis, it, it is it, this is more than just a sweetheart deal. This is an unprecedented deal. Well, and I don't yeah. know how if if I were the judge, I don't know how it would serve justice. And I don't know what in a plea deal, what the arrangement is. Tell me what this arrangement is and why, you know, they're going through it. And, and if you want to say, well, it saves the uh the taxpayer money, we don't have to go through the the court process. Uh, well, that pales in comparison to well, if, if the you know prosecution were to go after him and he were forced to pay his taxes and all of those things, you know, that you take into consideration. And, and quite often you'll see that, well, we're just going to, this helps to streamline the process and get it off the docket. This isn't a small case or these aren't small cases they're not it's a massive case and to let this just go through i i'm I'm just very curious if if the judge says nothing and they just go through it and it's just a procedural day then you know i guess we'll just chalk it up to the judge just I don't well, know. I, 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 because I don't know how you couldn't have a million questions as to how this deal came around and why. Right. 
so much is being given to him. And especially with the whistleblower testimony last week, you know, that that happened that right. uh, the, yeah. the judge isn't the judge obviously knows what happened in that particular case. Any judge worth their salt would right. know, OK, you know, what's the surrounding things behind this? I will say this, though, that uh, I believe that there was a belief from the Bidens, from the media and maybe even the Department of Justice that if they did this, it would be the end of it. Because as soon as this uh, the announcement of this deal came out, you heard the media almost in unison, the mainstream media, the liberal media, talk about, okay, it's over. There's nothing here to see anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's just stop it. Let's just... And that, I think, was their hope. They're not going to get it here. In fact, the opposite is happening. Yeah. There is an outrage. Yeah. And when you say the opposite... It's the fact that if you look at the polls, the public doesn't buy it. The majority of the public doesn't buy that this is a fair or equitable deal or that they would get the same consideration if they Mm. willfully over and over again avoided paying their taxes. And I think that because, you know, the rot exists in the Department of Justice. And I would have to say that part of the thought process was we get this out of the way and then hopefully we end it and it won't go any further looking into, well, why did Hunter Biden get that money? Hmm. What was the money for Burisma for? What is the bigger? Because the target, the big target in this case is not Hunter Biden. The big target is Joe Biden. And as you know, the defense has constantly been from the Democrats and from the media. Well, this is a private matter that just concerns uh, the son. The public doesn't buy that. No, no, they don't. But the, the Democrats believe that they can treat people as if they are complete idiots and don't understand. Well, wait a minute. Hunter Biden got all this money. What could Hunter Biden give to these companies and these countries? What could Hunter Biden give to them? What did he offer? What is their service? And the thing about this particular case, it's pretty easy, even if you don't know precisely what the bribe was about, it's pretty easy for the public to understand the concept of a bribe. Right. And it's pretty easy for the public to understand that Hunter Biden had nothing to offer anyone. The only person who had something to offer for them was the vice president at that time. And you saw, did you see that uh, the story? I saw the story yesterday that as soon as Biden, this is really interesting, as soon as Biden was out of office, the day he was out of office, Hunter Biden's salary to be on the board of directors was cut in half. Yeah. And so right. the public looks at this, you know, you look at the story this week about the, you know, the one woman who claimed she was kidnapped and there was a baby and it was all a hoax. The public, when you saw the story, you and I talked about it when it first happened off the air and went, nah, something stinks here. This doesn't make sense. And the public looks at this thing the same way. They look at it and go, okay, uh, none of this makes sense. And they can connect, they can connect the dots and, then you see, for example, you know, the story coming out 
uh, uh, yesterday that the uh, the buyer of Hunter's art, one of the buyers of Hunter's art, visited Joe Biden's White House 13 times after the first art uh, exhibition. The purchaser of Hunter Biden's art reportedly visited President Joe Biden's White House 13 times after the president's son first showcased his paintings at his art dealer's gallery in New York City. Uh, Elizabeth Hirsch, uh, Naftali, a large Biden donor and Biner appointee to the Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad, visited the White House for large events along with several intimate meetings, including with White House senior advisor Neera Tandon on March 21st, according to the White House Visitor's Log reviewed by the Washington uh, Free Beacon. Uh, Naftali is a Los Angeles real estate investor and an influential in the California Democratic circles. In 2023, she donated 13414 to the Biden campaign, along with $29,700 to the Democratic National Campaign Committee this year, according to Business Insider. She also served on Hillary's, uh, Hillary for America's National Finance Committee, Biden for President's National Finance Committee, and as deputy finance chair for the Democratic National Committee. So the entire thing was the whole Biden thing and the money that they were paying for the art, which was way over what anybody actually believed that that they were worth, was uh, just a, uh, you know, donation to Hunter Biden. Yeah. You know, And again, you look at it, and the question is, did she get her, did she get, did, did she have something? Is this just another form of a bribe right did she want something from the president did she want her position now the thing when they talked about her position you know did she give money you know what was the entire thing that went you know on with the position that you know that that she got but the fact is it stinks again you look at it and go these aren't these aren't art people interested in buying a piece of great art no these are people looking to bail out hunter biden well, and, you know, you look at it, uh, again, if you're sitting there in court today and you're the judge for this hearing, you're asking yourself, well, all the connections aside from the gun charge, the tax charges are all connected to many larger items. Yes. Yeah. And where are those items today? Where's the investigation? Where is... What is going on with all of that that it's connected to? It's like saying, well, uh, he was charged with um, assault, battery, attempted murder, and breaking and entering, but we pared it down to breaking and entering. Well, every ch- every tax charge was a – was because we when you look at everything that we have now on it, including the things that they didn't cover, like Burisma and everything else that they just conveniently forgot about. When you look right. at the entire thing, all the money that was paid, the allegations that exist now in the FD23 and everything, the entire investigation is the fact that any money that Hunter Biden got that he evaded taxes on was only for one thing, to bribe the his father when he was vice president and gain influence with him if he became president again. Right. All of it was based on a huge the 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 would be the biggest political criminal scandal, presidential scandal in American history. The judge knows that. Will that have an effect on the judge with the plea deal? Will she reject it? What is the policy 
Uh, you know, well, you do, there is no policy for something like this. There is no precedent for right. something like this. Right. This this has never happened before. Right. I so guess you, we'll see. So you can't say what's the policy, except you could say what's the policy on dropping a gun. You could say from a normal person what is the policy, and the policy is any normal person for evading taxes like Hunter Biden did would end up in jail. Right. Why the special consideration? Yep. And is he offering you something? Is he offering it, it, to get a bigger exactly. guy? Is, is exactly. he a big guy? Is there a big guy in the picture that he's trying to <laughs> that was not flip? even that was not You're my intent when I said him that. On the big guy? Yeah. I don't know who that big guy would be, but is there one? And that's what you would ask. What is the what are you getting in return? Why is there such great special consideration mm-hmm. for this defendant? Eight six six ninety red eye. Lines open for your calls. Eight six six ninety red eye on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following uh, the top of uh, the uh, hour, story came out uh, late uh, yesterday. Uh, Bo Bergdahl's court-martial uh, has been overturned by a federal judge. You and I talking about it here uh, off the uh, the air, and we don't see it. We don't see it. If, if, yeah. you, can, if you can overturn this uh, and go, as, as you stated, the 100 miles... To pull to, in the driveway. To, to pull in the driveway. <laughs> and make to, this connection. Right, to make the, the connection uh, here. You and I talked about the fact that this is gonna, if this moves up through the federal court, I don't see it, I don't see it standing. I, I see the court-martial standing. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just what it's, to me, and, and maybe we're missing something here, but it seems as to be a ridiculous decision yeah. by this judge. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that coming up here uh, in a uh, little bit. Also, uh, inflation. Hmm. And looks like uh, the indicators are at least one more rate hike. Yeah, right. And, um, I, and I read this one too, Rand Paul, this headline. I've referred Fauci to the Justice Department for prosecution. Uh, I, well. I saw that and went, and? Right. <laughs> yeah. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Well, later on today, we'll find out uh, what interest rates will be rising to 
Yeah. The other concern out there, and this has this has come about here in the last couple of uh, of days, mm. is you know because you see, well, well, this will be the last uh, rate hike. Will it? Yeah. No, hey, that's uh, be, something that we're asking at the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're asking here at Wall Street Journal, Red Eye Radio, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Fox Business. Uh, talking about it yesterday, and one of the things that they're talking about is oil now near $80 a barrel, mm-hmm. uh, some predicting it could go up to 90 or $95 a barrel. At my local gas station, in one week, gasoline prices have gone up 50 cents. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this was on uh, Cudlow yesterday. I want to play this uh, audio cut. Um, economist uh, 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 Bright- from uh, Breitbart, Breitbart, their economics editor, John Carney, was on Larry Kudlow yesterday as they talked about gasoline and, well, oil prices. Hmm. Uh, what do you think of that? $95 oil. I think not, oil is not that far out. That will wreck the CPI story, the, what he calls the CPI narrative. Absolutely. And I think it's actually not just oil. So, first of all, the only reason oil is as cheap as it is is because China's been lagging behind. Mm. China's about to put a bunch of stimulus into the economy because they can, they, politically, Xi Jinping cannot afford to have the economy be growing as slow as it is. So they're going to come back. Oil's going to go up. But it's not just oil. Look at what's happening to home prices up four months in a row. So that's going to, so that's not going to be weighing on CPI much longer. That's about, the shelter's 40% of CPI. So we are going to have a resurgence of inflation that is going to disrupt everybody's narrative. Everybody said inflation's coming down. I don't think we have real belief, real reason to believe that inflation will continue to come down from where it is right now. So- hmm. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Yeah, I I don't, and this is this has been part of where you know basically basically where we have been. Um, I would say now, man, it seems weird. You and I were saying just before we turned our mics on how fast things are going by yeah. for this year, <laughs> but yet it still seems like it's been such a long year, and it's because so many things are happening. But I would say for the pretty much the better part of 23 so far there has been analysis that is and and wall street journal pointed to this you and i have followed it as well that says all right uh powell is not convinced the fed is not convinced that we're done with inflation that there are some real factors on inflation that are going to be you know hitting uh once again um and one of those things is the labor inflation. Uh, if you look mm-hmm. at labor inflation, uh, that's a real thing. Um, but there's a, a number of things where the economy starts to heat up even outside of U.S. government spending. We know why we're here at this point. The question is, now the leap from here, where do we go and what drives that further inflation 
and and the concerns are you know there's a, there's a good handful of them and we've been watching those and one of them is china because you know you start getting into that uh area where energy starts to become now this this huge demand for energy starts to drive oil prices up uh we're going to see that uh likely i don't know probably at least through the end of the year unless there's some kind of recession that we hit uh but most believe that we'll be in that uh 88 to 100 dollar a barrel territory and and could be for at least a year and that's going to drive concern but you know you look at the um uh the heating uh in the northeast we you and i always talk about that yeah we talk about it it seems year round now and the reason is is because people have to budget for that they have to prepare for that now uh i don't know when the orders go in when you talk about heating oil um but when you know in terms of the consumer but that is going to be a driver over the next couple of months obviously as we get into the cooler months and people prepare for that if they can afford it. But there's going to be a demand on energy, uh, a a huge demand on energy, and uh, that's going to drive inflation as well. So I don't know, you know, because then we get back to the uh, the driver of uh, you know transportation, diesel prices, and everything else. I haven't looked. I've been watching anecdotally along the road uh, in my limited travel on the road. Uh, for diesel prices, uh, but they've been relatively low uh, in over the last year or so. And uh, I'll I'll look for them. Here we are, uh, gas prices, and let's see where diesel prices on the average now. Uh, national average three ninety a gallon for diesel. Uh, still pretty healthy. I know in Texas and parts of Oklahoma, it's lower than that. Uh, but in other areas, it might be higher. Um, in the Northeast, it, it normally is. And in California, it always is. So you look for that driver as they oil prices start to go up. Of course, diesel prices are going to start to go up. And it just costs a lot of money to move those goods. And and so we'll see that passed on to the consumer as, as you know, that's, it works that way. That's the way it works. It's not going to change. And inflation could be here for a while, far above the whole two percent. Somebody did the, somebody did the article, and I went right by it. I didn't even stop to read it. Uh, explaining the two percent inflation target that Jerome Powell keeps mentioning. Basically, everybody talks about the two percent target, but it's like two percent. Are you kidding me? We're not going to get to two percent anytime soon. That's not going to happen. That's certainly not going to happen this year, you know, on inflation. So, well, you know, we we talk about the fact of where we're going, that electricity prices. When I was in uh, uh, New York, they're talking about electricity prices that are going to be uh, uh, going up. And we talk about as we as the the government is completely and totally massively irresponsible in shutting down consistent forms of energy and going to inconsistent forms of energy that they have to subsidize and then we see here in the state of texas where they say well we can't stop the federal government from doing what they're doing so hey what we've got to do is we've got to you know here's our idea let's uh let's come up with uh 10 natural gas you know uh, 
uh, generation plants that are just there to back up the wind and solar. But mm. since we're only going to use them 10% of the time, we have to subsidize these plants too that you'll be subsidizing through an increase in your energy costs and increase in taxes. Because yeah. your tax dollars will have to go uh, uh, towards it because the state has to respond to the irresponsible actions of the federal government. Yeah, And then <laughs> when they did that, about a week later, the federal government came out and said, well, we're going to regulate it so natural gas plants will go out of existence, too. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the fact how this is this is insanity. It's pure insanity, and you can't have the number of electric vehicles that they wish to put on the road by 2035 and have consistent power. To yeah. back up what we're saying, Just the News had this. This was a story in the Los Angeles Times. That has remember in L.A. and they're they're leading in wanting to commit energy suicide. The state of California, congratulations on that. The Los Angeles Times has recently published a news story questioning whether occasionally blocking Americans' access to electricity would help in fighting the climate crisis. Not just paying more, but paying more and not having dependable electricity. Yeah. Hmm. Would an occasional blackout help solve the climate change, reads a headline uh, of the story Thursday by the uh, energy staff writer Sammy Roth, who asked, what's more important, keeping the lights on 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, or solving the climate crisis? Mm -hmm. The story includes an attorney for the city arguing... Uh, that uh, there, uh, this is all about an environmental group's lawsuit against a proposed fossil fuel uh, plant in Glendale, uh, California. The story includes an attorney for the city arguing the plant is desperately needed to provide reliable electricity to Glendale's roughly 190,000 residents and avoid blackouts. The dispute, Roth continues, is part of the larger conversation about whether Americans' expectations about their energy supply should evolve in the name of preventing climate catastrophe. Yeah, go buy your electric vehicle. Yeah. The mindset of the liberals is you're not going to be able to drive it. Right. So now they're asking the question, should you go without, in this modern day and age, are you selfish for expecting power 24-7, 365? No, that was where it always was going with the, you know, ability to uh, remotely control the uh, your thermostat. You know, that right now it's um, primarily voluntary programs where your energy provider and you, you get incentivized by allowing them to control your thermostat. Drop him dead. I'm not giving anybody that authority ever. And... The reason is, is because this mentality was always headed in this direction. Listen, we're going to go dark between midnight and 5 a.m. I I don't think so. (laughs) And you can't use a generator like the giant generator we have behind our studios. No, I mean, it's think about this. Well, listen, uh, we'll we'll just do. Uh, you know, two hours on, two hours off. Well, in 2021, 
as they write here. Uh, in 2021, the Los Angeles Times, the state's largest, uh, the la- state's largest, uh, published a story suggesting Americans should perhaps forego air conditioning during heat waves. Yeah, while, while they write about right. at the L.A. Times the the biggest heat wave ever in history, the oceans are boiling. It's summer, y'all, and and you should go out without heat. Or you should go without air conditioning. Right. In an effort to save the earth. Solving climate change will require sacrifices, even if uh, only small ones. Maybe learning to live with more power outages sh- uh, shouldn't be one of those sacrifices. But at the same time, we might not have a choice. Uh-huh. Might not have a choice. We might not give you a choice. But at least California, see, I mean, this is what you get under the leadership of Newsom and the insane yeah. Democrats. Yeah. Is look, we have a problem. We have a we have a solution mm-hmm. to the electricity problem. Turn everything off. Turn it off. And everything. especially during heat waves, turn air conditioning off. That's right. These people are insane. We're tell we're telling you this. And they're admitting they're insane. They're telling you what their plan is. We're not making this up. By the way, this turn, is what they write. Turn the phones off, too. Turn everything off. Yes. So, and if you need to call 911, you need to wait for three hours. You think crime's bad now in San Francisco? Start turning everything off. Sorry, your alarm won't be operable for the next three hours. You don't need alarms. Just chain lock everything. Wow. Yeah, no, we were always headed this way. Listen, we don't need... Who was the... Who was it that wrote about uh, air conditioning years ago? I think there was a Boston Globe. I think it was in the Northeast. might have been the Boston Globe, I think. Yeah. Because it was in the Northeast they wrote it. We don't need it. It was like, well, maybe the Northeast you don't at times. But in the Northeast you do at times. Yeah. But it was funny because they talk about the debate continues about whether record or near record heat waves like the ones this summer are a result of the emissions of greenhouse gases. They talk about climate uh, uh, depots. Mark Morano argues there is sufficient evidence to suggest a linking, and they talk about Phoenix having 19 days of temperatures above 110 degrees, and they say, but he acknowledged that 2023 could be one of the hottest in recent memory, but that 75% of all state record temperature or all state temperature records uh, in uh, Arizona, in Phoenix, were broken before the 1950s. According to the New York Post, the hottest recorded temperature in the U.S. history, 1913. This summer is not outside the bounds of normal winter, said climate D, or excuse me, of normal weather, (laughs) normal winter, (laughs) normal Mm. weather. I'm sorry, Morano added. He said blackouts are happening globally due to inhuman climate agenda demanding an end to reliable and affordable fossil fuel energy. He pointed to South Africa as an example because of the country's massive wholesale blackouts nationwide. U.S. oil and gas President Tim Stewart also expressed this idea to Justin News, saying that Ross' article is part of a broader propaganda war by the left 
to condition the public to think it is their duty to the state to be miserable, cold, and hungry. Yeah. It wasn't too long ago that even posing a question of turning off your electricity, of shutting down your electricity, uh, this would be considered preposterous, even from Democrats. After all, one of the defining problems of third world countries is the lack of reliable energy, infrastructure, and supply. Yeah, listen, we know you paid a lot of money for that electric car, but park it. Park it. It will still look the same in your driveway. Everyone will still think you're a good person. In fact, they'll think wow. you're better wow. if you don't I, ever drive I was going to say that. Parking your, buying an electric vehicle and not using it is the ultimate in virtue signaling. Oh, no, you're, you're, you care more about the planet, clearly. Except you bought a car that contributed to global warming. And uh, let it sit in your driveway. That's just the small details. <laughs> 866-90-RED-EYE. Independence with carrier authority should be mindful that negotiation strength varies as the week progresses. Typically, the highest rates across major segments are pay for loads negotiated on Sundays, and the highest volume of loads for all segments is seen on Mondays, also the weekday that tends to be the best for flatbed negotiations, yielding the best rates. Owner-operators tend to have less negotiation strength on Tuesday, which shows the lowest weekday spread between brokers' offered rates and actual paid rates. Broker offers tend to rise by Wednesday as the end of the week is in sight. This day also seems optimal for the 3 o'clock hustle, so-called for its reliance on that afternoon time of day, when brokers are getting nervous, to improve negotiation strength. Stay mindful of this system to maximize your revenue. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, by the way, it's official. Gasoline went up. Biggest one-day increase yesterday. Went up yeah. four cents. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, before I went back to New York, middle of last week, uh, my gasoline prices near me went down to two ninety-nine. Mm-hmm. Tonight, going to work, three forty-nine. Mm-hmm. Fifty cents in a week. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara. 
Uh, I know that every once in a while we get uh, into, uh, as a nation, uh, talking about movies. Yeah. You know, we uh, uh, talk about uh, the uh, the Jim Caviezel movie, uh, and all of a sudden, now we're talking about Barbie. Mm-hmm. And just and the, it just popped into my mind as I was just just going through reading the headlines of National Review. Conservatives are getting Barbie wrong. This is from a conservative publication, mm-hmm. saying, "Look, this is layers of satire, and it's hardly a feminist screed." I've seen many conservatives say, eh, not a good movie, but it's not bad. And then I've seen other conservatives say, it's bad. You guys argue it. I am not going to see Barbie to get into the discussion. I saw a preview of it, and a couple of the lines seemed funny. It's not going to draw me in to watch it. Right. I'm not interested <laughs> in it. Um, it appears to be, in parts, a musical, and I don't. I've got a thing about musical. I just really, with one exception. The Wizard of Oz. No. Tommy. <laughs> the Who. Um, what about The Wizard of Oz? It was crap, and we all know it. <laughs> uh, that's Eric. Yeah. No, Eric Harley uh, here Gary saying loves the, Wizard, the of, Wizard of Oz. The, saying The Wizard of Oz was crap, and we all know it. Guy behind the curtain. You you knew it. Come on. And I looked at it. You know, it, it was on. It was part of a couple of months ago. There was this. Uh, Send emails to Eric. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care what you think about Wizard of Oz. It's crap. So the entire thing. And I've been in Tornado. I know what it's like. Represent. Yeah, you know, you don't, you don't, lollipop kids, you don't lollipop end up hallucinating kids, about some kind of, kids. you know, witch thing. <laughs> it sounded just like Hillary. So, <laughs> I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog too. <laughs> no, that was really close. That was almost. Spooky. That was enough to make Bill Clinton move out. Come on, you gotta like the monkeys. No, my least favorite part of really? that. Really? Yeah. Oh man, the monkeys yeah. are the best. No. No, if you want to see flying monkeys. Well, here's the thing. Huh? See, I enjoyed it sober. You don't like it sober. Everybody else is high watching it, and that's why they like it. Do you know if you start <laughs> Pink Floyd, The Wall, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, Elton John, Yellow Brick Road. I'm tying it in because of the name. Uh, And uh, Metallica, Ride the Lightning. At the same time that you start The Wizard of Oz and the very first episode of Beavis and Butthead, you're probably smoking crack. I think we started on Barbie. <laughs> no, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go see Barbie to get into this. Here's the thing. Get well, into the discussion. I, I was it. watching, though, that, Sorry. that <laughs> those who couldn't get in, a great number of those that couldn't get in to see Barbie went and saw Oppenheimer, which is a movie I want to see. 
Yeah, I, 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 I definitely want to see that. See that, that one. One. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know the the Barbie thing's probably going to show up in my living room at some point because I have six granddaughters, and I'm guessing out of one, of, I know one of them when she was young. She used to watch. There was a. I didn't know this. There was an animated series of, of for Barbie, and I didn't know this until my granddaughter started watching it. And she watched it like years after it was first run. It's on one of the streamers, and she still today will watch it. Kind of a retro thing for her. I'm guessing they'll watch it at some point at the house. Uh, I don't have any interest in watching it. Um, the my uh, my wife tricked me into going into uh, and watching that Hugh Jackman musical. What was it called? The Greatest Showman, or is that what it was? Something like that. And she tricked you. Yeah, <laughs> I hadn't seen the previews. I thought it was going to be you know Wolver- Wolverine goes to the circus or something. <laughs> and it's all of a sudden they start singing, and I'm like, oh no no no. No, no, no. No, I don't like music. <laughs> I don't do the musical thing. No, I don't. Yeah. I I can tolerate it if it's a stage show. But most of the time, even then. I, I you know, the, the whole Barbie thing, uh, who was it that wrote the review? And it was filled with the, all of the woke things and everything else. And I thought, well, pretty much everything is. You know, you really have to kind of go out of your way, you know, to find something. That's why I think uh, Oppenheimer uh, looks very good. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I haven't really read but two reviews on that one. Um, but the story of Oppenheimer is just, you know, the weight that he carried, you know, basically for the rest of his life on that. Uh, that has to be fascinating. And I don't know how far the movie goes into that. But you go also in the in the direction of uh, Sound of Freedom. Someone wrote to a, a, a piece on Sound of Freedom that because this person in, couldn't get in to see, I think, Oppenheimer. So they went and saw Sound of Freedom. And they wrote about how you know, uh, the studio that that basically made this happen, the movie Sound of Freedom, relies on, and he used the word tribal. I don't know that I necessarily like that, necessarily like that word here uh, for that purpose. But there is a very devoted group, and it is faith-based. But then I thought, when you step back from the people who put this movie together, Sound of Freedom, and then just look at the subject matter. I understand people who say I don't want to look. I it's it's too heavy for me to to look at something like that and sit in front of a a screen for that long, you know, because it is mm-hmm. just so oh yeah so much to deal with. Yeah. I absolutely get that. What I don't get is the left, you know, uh, going out of their way to trash that movie. Listen, again, if you don't want to expose yourself to it, you know, that's your choice for whatever reason. If you don't want to sit and watch it, because I understand the first 
uh, 45 minutes are, are brutal. And it is a very tough subject matter. But I don't know how we all don't, as a society, that we're not on the same page. And, you know, this whole thing of trying to link uh, Jim Caviezel to QAnon and all of that, just look at the subject matter of the movie. And yeah, that was just, is, yeah, that was, you didn't have to see the movie just to ask the question. Right. Isn't it bizarre, the left's reaction, right. the left's reaction to it. Right. And, you know, and, and attempting to discredit an anti-child trafficking movie. Right. Just yeah. was the most bizarre. Now, it didn't go on too long, did it? No, it really it didn't, didn't go on. It, it didn't it got drop. It got I, it, dropped pretty quick. It's it seemed to really go away completely after it hit that hundred million dollar mark at the box office. I haven't really seen much after it hit that point. And when you look at that, you know, the Passion of the Christ, uh, another Jim Caviezel movie, but it's similar in in its values. Um, you look at that, and that was a movie I don't think anybody expected to get that kind of box office. It got insane box office numbers. And so I don't see that as one person put it, um, and I'll try and find the article, but as a, as, as a tribal thing, um, it is, it's a values thing that I think most people share in the values. And... Again, I understand not wanting to watch it. Look, it's for me um, watching well, honest, a, a number of movies. The big, it's it's brutal the to, beginning to of, watch it. The beginning of Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. I think, was, yeah. was the ultimate example. Right, right. You Any, know that that's that's a movie that I didn't go I didn't go to see it to enjoy it. Right. Uh, yeah. I I I just I. And I knew it was brutal when, you know, because you knew about it going in, that the mm-hmm. scenes of D-Day were going to be realistic. Right. I right. think the reason that I went in is I've never seen combat. <laughs> and to see the horror and depiction and the fear of it, I th- I just believe that if you live in a free society, you should know what people go through and mm-hmm. what they have gone through. Mm-hmm to give you the freedoms that you have. Mm-hmm. Now, I like the movie, but obviously the first 10 minutes of it or the first 15 minutes of it is not enjoyable at all because it's brutal. And so if the sound of freedom is like that, I understand it, but many people feel like let, let the um, the crucifixion, crucifixion scene in The oh. Passion of Christ it, was was not, you know, it wasn't like other movies that might, you know, depict the crucifixion yeah, in a, right, in a right. more sterile way that have been out there that you it's, might see in the 50s or the 60s. It was brutal. It was the first time I had ever sat before a movie where I felt zero judgment for the movie and, in fact, felt the opposite, where, for me as a Christian, sitting in front of it, I felt the judgment was coming toward me because I felt the renewal of the question 
what have I done to earn this sacrifice? And what am I doing today? And those are the things that went through my mind, and it was extremely emotional. I have to ask a question. Are you talking about Saving Private Ryan or The Passion of the Christ? Well, it would apply to Saving Private Ryan. Because the concept of sacrifice... And when you said, you know, do I do I deserve the sacrifice there? Mm-hmm. That's the exact same thing that Private Ryan said as an old man. Mm-hmm. Have I earned this? And and those are the things that you know when when I looked at it and and I went to see um, I went to see Passion of the Christ alone. I wanted to. So did I. I when I took and notes. I you know, for me it was um, it was one of those moments where there was a renewed mission, I guess, uh, leaving it. And I knew there would be, I knew this was going to be exactly what it was for me. I knew what that experience was going to be. And, you know, that's a different type. That's not tribal. I, I, I'm, I'm really not happy, you know, with that word in general, but, um, that's not tribal. Um, because if you look at faith, I would say that's something that is, uh, very individual. That's, that's on the individual level when it comes to faith, it is up to that individual and their individual relationship with, with the creator, with, uh, in my case, with, uh, with God, with Jesus, with all of it. And I really had to, you know, parse that out for myself. So when I see things about, <laughs> The Barbie movie. I think to myself, well, okay, you guys go ahead, do whatever you're going to do. That's fine. Doesn't affect me one way or the other. Is Mission Impossible a bust? Um, uh, yeah, I, I down, wouldn't say so. Down sixty five percent this week. Yeah, I yep. I wouldn't say so. It probably has to do more with. All right, that's one I can wait for. Eight six six ninety red eye. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following the top of uh, the hour, uh, the uh, that headline which shocked me. I'm like, what would this be about? Pretty surprised when I actually read it. I don't know uh, if this goes up for appeal, whether it will last, but the Bo Bergdahl court-martial conviction was thrown out by a federal judge. We'll get to uh, that. We'll talk about the New York City dog expert that uh, calls BS on the White House blaming stress uh, for the dog's biting problem, the White House dog's biting problem, mm-hmm. say it's the owners not <laughs> keeping the dog under control, just like their son. Yeah, and there are other dogs. And there are other dogs. This isn't the first time yeah. one of their dogs has done this. We'll get to that and more. <laughs> This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. You can listen when and where you want. If you're not able to listen overnight, when you should listen, you should lose sleep. That's right. Turn your Stay mic up on. all night. <laughs> Stay up all night. <laughs> Quit your job. Be as, an American. <laughs> as, my old, as my old basketball coach told me, if it comes between... Your job and playing basketball quits your job. That's right. Yes. Uh, so there's the headline. This was surprising. Mm-hmm. Bo Bergdahl court-martial conviction for Army desertion thrown up by federal judge. Yeah, this is such a reach. Um, so this federal judge is saying that there's a conflict of interest uh, with the judge who oversaw the court-martial. That judge, Jeffrey Nance, had at that time applied to be uh, an immigration judge. That immigration judge uh, position uh, gets its uh, authority from the Department of Justice, which is part of the executive branch. So this federal judge tosses this uh, Bo Bergdahl uh, case out, or the, the, the conviction, um because he says the conflict of interest comes in where Judge Nance at the time was looking to be part of the executive branch and then President Trump at that same time had criticized Bo Bergdahl publicly. That's your conflict of interest. That's so way it's, out there. It's that is so I, thin. It's way out there. That is so thin. Because if you can create conflict of interest there, well, gosh, uh, some say that uh, Bo Bergdahl uh, was too friendly with the enemy, with the Taliban, and because the U.S. is at war with the Taliban. That's and was conflict. fighting the Taliban. That's a conflict of There's interest. There's a conflict of interest because the U.S. Army yes. is in charge of the court-martial process. I mean, why not? Just throw everything in. Mean, There's a conflict everywhere. Well, you could say that the setup of any court-martial is a conflict of interest. Yes, Because the judge, the prosecution, and I believe on the defense it has to be somebody from the military, right? They can get I believe you can have a civilian lawyer. Yeah, many will hire a lawyer, Lawyer. but you really don't get a defense to speak of. Right. And and so you when you when you look at it, it's like, well, you could say the entire process because the president is commander in chief and they wish to do they wish to serve the commander in chief. I mean, you could make that argument also. Yeah. Yeah, I 
I mean, I really, I really wonder. I'm, I'm going to guess this is going to go to appeal, and and I just, I, if this ever got to the Supreme Court, I cannot. I would be very surprised if they would agree with this judge. It, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, judge uh, Nance, by the way, Jeffrey Nance uh, did go on to become an immigration judge. He's now a judge in Israel. Uh, I think he still is a judge in Israel. Um, he served in the army, of course. Uh, but uh, I don't see this conflict of interest at all. It's just absolutely. And, and remember, he Bergall pleaded guilty. That's the strange thing. He yeah. pleaded right, guilty. Right. Um, as a result of the punishment, of course, had to. Uh, pay ten thousand of his his pay, his military pay back. He had to return that. Uh, his attorneys at the time were asking the um, asking Jag to consider only a, a dishonorable discharge. So we'll see where this goes. Well, that's what he got was a dishonorable discharge. Was had did no prison time. But he had to pay, and, you know, the ten thousand. Right. It was, and they were seeking right. only the dishonorable discharge. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. So, in case you don't know, he walked away from his post in Afghanistan, was captured by the Taliban, held for five years. Some of his fellow soldiers were injured trying to find him, and this was the one where then President Obama uh, uh, traded Bergdahl for five Taliban prisoners. They were actually Taliban leaders that many of them went back to fight against Americans. It was a horrible deal. You know, you could that put, Obama put together. This this um this insane uh connection in terms of uh, this conflict of interest here. Uh you could create the same thing if cuz where I started with this on uh, our pre-show meeting was well wait a minute. You know, if you're a judge in the army which Judge Nance was at that time, then you also are serving under the direction of the commander in chief. Now, he can't tell you, you know, you need to uh, find this and you need to find that in this case. But just because the Department of Justice is part of the executive branch, and at that time, Judge Nance was looking to become an immigration judge, which is part of the uh, Department of Justice, doesn't create the conflict in and of itself. If it were, let's say, an immigration judge process were closer to the fire in terms of appointments and everything else, that would be, maybe you could make that connection there. And if there had been, I don't know, a, a relationship, something between Judge Nance and then President Trump. You could say, look, they're too close. Uh, we know how the president feels about Bo Bergdahl. And there needs to be a different judge overseeing this case. But just because he applied and didn't disclosed that he had applied for this job as a uh, an immigration judge 
And it is an application process still today. You can go to uh, the DOJ website and they'll tell you what the qualifications are. And then you apply. And if that's what you want to be, if you want to be an immigration judge, that's what you that's the process you go through. I don't see the conflict at all. No, neither do I. And I I don't know, again, where this goes. I don't know about the appeals process. I don't know how that works. Here's a question. Would the president even know that he applied? That's what that's the other question that I had in my mind of, you know, because, again, if you're talking about an appointee, then you have a you know that that you could make that connection. There's a more direct connection. I I don't even know that. That uh, that that Trump did know that he had applied. Is there any connection? I don't see in any of the stories covering this. I don't see where the judge mentioned a any kind of relationship between Judge Nance and Trump. Other than he applied to be an immigration judge, which falls under the Department of Justice, which is the executive branch. Wow. Because then, if and, and the connection there, that Trump was critical of Bo Bergdahl, openly critical of Bo Bergdahl in the media and on social media. Oh, my gosh, then. Anybody that the Department of Justice is prosecuting that any president is critical of. Yeah. Sorry, conflict of interest. It doesn't work that way. That doesn't that that's so far of a reach. So far of a reach. I just don't get it. I really don't get it. No. That's as thin yeah. as it gets. I kept reading the article yesterday and again there's not a ton of information yet on it but I kept reading the article and saying to myself where's the conflict? Right. Where would be that conflict of 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 interest and as you said if he was if the the uh you could you might be able to make a stronger case if he was the president chose him as a political appointee right yeah i mean if if you if you look at that again if there were some other kind of uh relationship a closer relationship between President Trump and Judge Nance. All right. But just because Trump openly was critical of Bo Bergdahl and the judge in that case was applying to be an immigration judge in the DOJ, which falls under the executive branch, that I don't see a connection there at all. None. Not to the point of conflict of interest. And I guess somebody would have to fill me in what I'm missing here. I don't know what the process is uh, beyond this, though. I don't know what happens here. Well, if it's under the jurisdiction of the federal court, I don't see why it doesn't go up the line then. I would, why it can't I, be appealed by the by the military. If a federal judge does it, then it's in the federal court system. Yeah, I would. I would think so. Just doesn't make any sense. No. Especially no, it doesn't. Since, especially since he pleaded. Right. Eight six six ninety red eye. 
We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Just reading here uh, Jonathan Turley's uh, Twitter feed or uh, his X tw- feed. His X, you're right. His X feed yesterday. The White House changes longstanding position of president on Hunter Biden's foreign deals. I mean, it's something that we've talked about. But what's startling is, from what I know, nobody called Corrine Jean-Pierre out on the fact that she lied yesterday. Yeah. And they right. should have called her out and said, here's what you said before yesterday. Right. Here's what you're saying now. It's not the same thing. And if she right. says, yes, it is, you look her in the eye and you say, you're lying because yeah. she is lying. Right. You Start- never said that. You, right. You've never said what you just said. And as he writes, I'll just read, a, uh, won't read the whole thing, just a couple of uh, sentences here. Starting with his campaign for the presidency and continuing until this week, President Joe Biden has maintained one clear and consistent position on his son's influence peddling schemes. As a, a virtual mantra, Biden and the White House staff have categorically maintained that he had no knowledge of any foreign dealings with his son, that he never discussed any business with his son. That has proven to be a lie. But Biden, even when it was proven to be a lie, continued to maintain that position. Yet on the eve of the testimony of a key Biden associate, the White House has changed its position. Now the president is only claiming that he was not in business with his son. Some of us has written of us have written multiple columns over the last four years, arguing that the president was clearly and knowingly lying in his denials of knowledge and discussions of these deals. Even when he made the statement, it was clearly a lie, but most of the media shrugged and happily walked away, and then the evidence began to mount. He goes with the laptop, he goes with the recording of Joe Biden discussing the Times report on December uh, 12, 2019, detailing Hunter Biden's dealings uh, with the head of the, of the China Energy Company. There's a recording of his Uncle James assuring Hunter that he and his father were going to arrange for a safe harbor for him as his world was beginning to collapse. There's the uh, WhatsApp message, uh, as uh, we know about him sitting uh, with his father, Nevertheless, the White House has maintained the total denial until this week before the testimony of Devin Archer. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was asked, and we played this actual audio yesterday by Fox News journalist Jillian Turner, quote, Chairman James Comer today says that the Oversight Committee is evidence that the president in the past communicated directly with foreign business associates of his son, Hunter Biden, many times. Curious if the White House and the president still stand by his comment that he's never been involved and has never even spoken to his son about his business. The response from Jean-Pierre was surprising. 
So uh, I've been uh, I've been asked uh, this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president has never was never in business with his son. I just don't have anything to add. And then she was done. It takes an utter contempt for the intelligence of, of the public to insist that the answer remains the same. Well, she is contempt, and this administration is absolute contempt for the American people. So shouldn't be surprising. Yeah, right. But it takes utter contempt for the intelligence of the public to insist that the answer remains the same and then give an entirely new answer. However, that is only if most of the public is informed of the contradiction. None of the media in the White House press corps followed up Turner's questions when Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre immediately moved on. And I didn't see where they called her on it yesterday. If that is now the new spin of the president, it is about four years too late. The public, excuse me, the president assured the public repeatedly and consistently that he never discussed or knew of these dealings, even as evidence mounted in contradiction. He made this false denial part of his presidency in having his staff echo the same denials to the press and the public. As allegations of bribery and influence peddling swirl around the White House, the pattern of dishonesty and denial can become a basis for impeachment inquiries as it was for Nixon. It is tempting to say that the president is being too clever by half, but this was never particularly clever. Biden was counting on the media, watching his back, and hoping that he could hold both houses of Congress. The problem is that the media blackout was not total, and he lost the House. Now these denials and conflicting accounts are threatening the possibility that he could lose much more than his political standing if the evidence continues to contradict his blanket denials, Biden could lose his office. Jonathan Turley yesterday, we have been saying for the longest time, and yes, Democrats have criticized the force, but we were correct in it. We had the evidence. We had the, that was the thing. Democrats would tell us that, you know, you guys are making this up as no, we're not. This is not we don't speculate anything and then come to an absolute determination if we don't have evidence. Right. We can speculate and give you the possibilities if we don't have the evidence. It could be this. It could be this. It could be this. It could be this. Mm -hmm. But when we say the president's lying, we were telling you the truth. The president was lying and he was lying for years to the American public, and it was an obvious lie because the evidence existed in his own words yep. that that uh, he knew of his son's business dealings. And we asked the question, why would you lie? Why would you lie about that? And so it's interesting to see there, uh, there was a, a statement put out by June 30th by the White House that had said the same thing. But Corrine Jean-Pierre was the first to change her story yesterday and lie to you. Green Jean-Pierre lied and said the answer's not going to change, and the answer changed. Yep.
so good, you know you want to listen again with our podcast, available on our app and at RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eventually, the White House is going to be called out for, uh, you know, changing their story. Yeah, it's and, getting stupid. And and I do believe that, uh, you know, Corrine Jean-Pierre, that question is going to be asked. And until, look, she knows she got caught. She knows that she got caught in a lie. Yeah. Maybe the press corps hasn't got her yet, but she knows. Because the criticism was there on social media. It was there on, on, on talk radio. It was there from Republicans. And so everybody knows she got caught in the lie where she said, I've said it a million times and I keep repeating the same answer. And then she changed the answer. Mm-hmm. And she has always said, from what I know until yesterday, she might have said it at another point, but I don't know where that's documented. The place I know it's documented was yesterday. She has always stated the same thing that until yesterday that Biden did not know anything about his son's business dealings. Now, we knew it was a lie. We knew it was a lie based on the evidence that exists that nobody is disputing. So when she said, I've answered this a million times and my answer, you know, uh, doesn't change. uh, The president has never done business with his son. Well, there was a change because what she stated Every time before is that she stands with what the president says and she stands with the fact that the president uh, never discussed with Hunter Biden at any time any of his business dealings. And so we know that she lied. The pressure is on now. The pressure is on right now, big time, especially since the agreement was made. Yesterday, uh, you had uh, uh, Comer announcing on Fox News Mm -hmm. that uh, Devin Archer's testimony will be next Monday. Yeah. And that will be, we mean, I don't know if if we're going to get immediate notification of what comes out of it, because normally the committee lawyers are the ones that do it. Right. The committee staff actually ask the questions. Right. And... Again, we've we've got the preview of it, and the preview is he's going to testify that the president, next Monday, he's supposed to testify, according to every single news report I have seen, that he is going to testify that the president talked to hunters, you know, talked to these, these people many times at the request of those people and of Hunter to communicate with the people who they took money from at least two dozen times. What happens at that point? Now, we're at the point where Kevin McCarthy doubled down again and talked about an impeachment inquiry. Talked about the the red line. The the red line, because if you want to look at what impeachment is for, mm-hmm. bribery. Right. Yeah. That's, that's written in the Constitution. If it's bribery. You know You know what's interesting? I started thinking about it because I thought, all right, you know, we've heard impeachment from the GOP for a while now. And at first it was a couple of people, just a couple of people in the party. And now McCarthy has really edged closer and closer to it and has been talking about it openly for a matter of days. And I thought, okay, what does that process look like? Oh, my gosh. Is it vastly, it is so vastly different 
than both impeachments for then-President Trump. Because you've got evidence that you present, you've got witnesses that you present, and where does the left go? If the impeachment process starts, and, and this is what I'm wondering, does McCarthy, does, does the GOP believe this is our only shot at getting this evidence out there is to have this impeachment process go through? Because we've talked about it. Well, what's the idea? The idea, ultimately, for those that, and I'm one of them, that believe the president is compromised. If you believe that, you believe he should be he should be removed from office. That's going to require the Senate to get that done. And how do you do that? How do you convince Democrats it needs to be done with the impeachment process in the House? And given what they have been able to demonstrate through the hearings so far, an impeachment process will go into even more detail, even more stuff that comes to the surface. And my question would be, do you get to the point, if they ever do move with the any impeachment process here, do you ever get to the point of convincing enough Democrats in the Senate? Because I would think that the GOP is going to present... I already believe that the the evidence potentially, and especially with Devin Archer, you know, coming forward, that potentially this evidence evidence is going to be overwhelming. But certainly the GOP, if they're going to move forward with impeachment, and they go through that process, would have the evidence, and it would be undeniable, and that's how you convince Democrats. Now, it doesn't mean that you will get them in the Senate to do what's necessary. And and I guess maybe that's not the point for some in the GOP. It's just to demonstrate and put everything out there politically. And then if he's not removed from office in the Senate trial, then so be it. Well, let's put it this way. For uh, Trump's, was it really an, any, was there ever an impeachment inquiry or did it just go to basically the impeachment and, you know, the defense, you know, there was no defense as we know, uh, uh, for the, uh, the, the first, uh, and the, the first impeachment, they didn't allow the cross-examination. I'll, we'll, right. look the, we'll look at the right. first impeachment, for example. Right. So, you know, an inquiry as, cause I'm reading here about, is there a difference between the inquiry and the actual impeachment vote? Well, the inquiry can be basically where you bring everybody before, and then you actually go to the impeachment and then you actually go to the, tr- to the, uh, to the trial portion of it. Because the trial portion of it is what we saw, for example, in the Senate. So the impeachment inquiry would be bringing people forward to begin with. And so that's what you're doing. You, you would be bringing everybody in. Everybody. You'd be, you'd be laying out all the evidence from Hunter's laptop. You would, I mean, you would start this story. And, I, you know, an impeachment inquiry could last months with the Republicans when you think about it. Yeah. Because then you're bringing every witness in, every single witness in. You're bringing the money trails in. You're showing it. I'm reading here. This is just to show you how the media is covering this so far, the the mainstream media. Steve Collison, CNN. McCarthy again marches to Trump's tune by invoking Biden impeachment inquiry. Uh, The House Republican majority is hitting its stride as a fully weaponized arm of Donald Trump's bid 
for a second White House term. Well, is this just Donald Trump's opinion that is driving it? That Trump wants Biden impeached because he's been impeached? Or is there actually evidence to back up wrongdoing? Of course there's evidence to back up wrongdoing. That's what's driving. Trump is not driving this at all. This isn't Trump driving this. This is the evidence driving it. This is the witnesses driving it. This is the evidence from Hunter's laptop driving this. This is the evidence from money transfers and 20 LLCs and connecting the dots of where the money is going to nine Biden family members. That's what is driving it. What drove the Democrats to go after Trump initially, as we know, was an allegation based on zero evidence. So so the first inquiry on the first impeachment uh, for Trump lasted, uh, so the inquiry lasted September 24th through December 3rd. That's two months, one week, and two days. The actual impeachment, first impeachment, only lasted one month, two weeks, and four days. The inquiry was twice as long. Which I guess it would be. I mean, that's... Okay, but when did it, then it went to the Senate. They had a... Uh, no, then it went to then it went to the the inquiry went to the impeachment and then the impeachment went to the Senate. Right, but they have a the Senate can have a trial. Yeah, right? I know that. I know that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how long did that take? I don't know the Senate trial. I'm talking about okay. the inquiry okay. in the House versus the impeachment in the House. Okay. All right. And you were mentioning the inquiry could take months, months on right. Right. on Biden. It took two months on on Trump and there was nothing there. Now you're right. You look at what they you look at everything, the the amount of evidence. And that's why I'm thinking is is the impeachment inquiry, because we talked about the fact that, you know, by the time we get to by the time we get to next week, Devin Archer testifies. We're to August. Yeah. And we've always thought that if the Republicans go ahead with this, it would be starting in September. Or October in the fall, you take it through the fall. This is something that could take you through the fall and all through next spring. Oh my gosh! As yeah. you look at it all, yeah. and you want to yeah. present all the evidence each and every day. Let me ask you this: Would the media not cover the impeachment inquiry and the impeachment and the and the Senate? Well, my you know portion they, of it, right? I mean, they covered they covered everything when it came to Trump with with Biden. I don't know. Just pretend it doesn't exist. They've yeah, yeah. Who was it? Uh, somebody said yesterday it was. Uh, oh, it was uh, the the article Peter Schweitzer says they can't ignore us now, and you and I both said, well, sure they can. Oh yeah, <laughs> they can't ignore the evidence now. Well, of course they can. You know that yeah. this the spin is going to be massive on this. That's why I thought it was important to read the CNN article. The House Republican majority is hitting its stride as the fully weaponized arm of Donald Trump's bid for a second White House uh, seeks to drag Donald or, uh, Joe Biden into the swamp of so far un- unsubstantiated corruption allegations. They're not unsubstantiated. No. The corruption is there. That's where that's where Mr. Uh, Collison is lying. Yeah. Who is this guy to begin with here? Let me just see what his analysis is. It doesn't say who he is. Because it's not the the uh, the 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 uh, uh, 
laptop has been substantiated or has been uh, verified. Right. We know that. Right. So right. these are not unsubstantiated corruption allegations. That, that's been verified. Nobody is debating the SARS reports, what the Treasury Department has, the flow of money. Nobody is denying the fact that money flowed from these entities, foreign entities, to Hunter Biden, to nine different members of the Biden family. Nobody is denying it. There is no denial that any of this took place. Right, right. Because it didn't come from the Republicans. It came from the banks. It came from the Treasury Department. It came from Hunter Biden. It comes from the people that worked for Hunter Biden. And well, so that that's the part. But understand that's where they're trying to go. And, you know, some of the things that we look look at that are still out there that, that we've touched on and covered along the way that haven't really, I guess, been part of the discussion lately but still are in the top of my mind, and that is the shared bank account between Joe and Hunter. Uh, things like that, because, you know, the left is going to say, well, there's no direct line between, you know, when it comes to if you're moving on with an impeachment based on bribery, there's no direct line between this and and the president. And of course there is. It doesn't have to be that they handed him a bag of cash. No, if his family was enriched. Right. In return for a favor or any kind of consideration along the way. Just to know, Steve Collison, I thought maybe he might be, he's the White House reporter for CNN. I didn't right. know that. Mm, yeah. So understand that this this isn't even somebody who was part of the, of the you know, for example, somebody who was a Democrat operative. Right. Well, they, he is. He works for CNN. And obviously, by <laughs> yeah. his statement, he's a Democrat operative. Mm-hmm. But this is a perfect example of what we say. Stephen Collison is lying. He is a political activist, not a reporter, when he says, you know, un, un, unsubstantiated allegations of, of corruption. Because corruption doesn't have to be illegal. Influence peddling is corrupt in itself. And that's where Steve Collison of CNN is lying to the readers and the viewers of CNN. Because that's an opinion piece. He's a White House reporter. Absolutely. That should that was when, what we what we read to you. You look at it. That was something that would come from the White House press department. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. So we have a couple of interesting days uh, ahead of us uh, with Devin Archer going to testify next uh, uh, Monday. You know the one thing that never came out? Remember mm. Comer said that last week we would get bank records, bank, more bank records? Right. He was hoping by, and we never got those bank records. Is, hmm. We never got anything. Never got the bank bank records that Comer said were coming last week. Yeah. Hmm. Someone should ask him that question. Yeah, definitely.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All, all across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Okay, I'm just chuckling because just before we came on the air, I was just looking at some of the headlines of the Babylon Bee. I love this one. Gluttony demoted to only kind of a sin. Amen on that one. <laughs> Hypocrites. Conservative claims to be against cancel culture, yet uses noise-canceling earbuds. I don't know why that was so funny. Cause, you know why? Because I could hear... I'm sorry, but so many of the left are so whacked, I could see somebody actually saying that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> Kevin McCarthy says the 783rd impeachable offense by Biden will be the last straw. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And, <laughs> and MAGA Republicans convene. Uh, to underground bunker to turn planet's heat dial up three more notches. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I'm telling you. That's funny. Oh. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, I guess uh, today, you know, yeah, the Fed and, and inflation. Uh, yeah. Looks like they're going to raise rates again. We talked about it in case you just woke up. Yesterday mm-hmm. was the... Fastest day of gas prices rising in a year. Went up four cents in a day average. Now, it's gone up a lot faster where I live, at least. And 50 cents in one week. Yeah. And you're looking at, uh, last I looked, I haven't looked in a couple of hours, but uh, gas prices approaching $80 a gallon. Uh, Oil prices. What did I say? Oil prices, $80 a gallon. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. We that's, can start over. <laughs> that's For only, those having a heart attack right now. No, that's only in California. Yeah. $80 a gallon. I exaggerated I exaggerated there on the low side. Mm-hmm. $80 a barrel for oil. Yeah. Uh, with estimates that it could go as high as 90 to $95 a, a, a barrel because China is starting to rebound the uh the the economy mm-hmm. and uh you know so you uh look at inflation say okay but uh, another story ex top defense official expects bombshell details of pentagon's ufo recovery to be revealed to congress a former top u.s intelligence officer says defense officials told him ufos have been recovered and that bombshell details about the extraterrestrial craft are set to be revealed to Congress on Wednesday. 
wait a minute. Uh, He's the one testifying, right? That's what I gathered. Yeah, I didn't guess. The the officials had told him, I have not heard. The direct people who claim to have seen it are not testifying. Right. If he's there just repeating what he's been repeating, then we're not going to. I'm guessing we're not going to learn anything new. Or he may claim something we haven't that he hasn't claimed till now. But he's still just claiming that based on what somebody else told him. I have been told Mm -hmm. that we have recovered technology that did not originate on this earth. Right. By officials in the Department of Defense and by former intelligence officials, said Christopher Mellon, a former Deputy Assistant Secretary for Defense for Intelligence to News Nation's Chris Cuomo on Monday night. (laughs) Nobody else wanted to. Man, that whole. Fox didn't want him. Fox said UFOs, forget about it. We are obsessed with Robert Kennedy Jr. Well, uh, yeah, and this guy talking to Chris Cuomo. Man, that that's a conversation based in truth, isn't it? <laughs> Mellon said the UFO. Uh, Mullen said UFO whistleblower Dave Grush, a former intelligence official, is set to drop explosive new testimony. So they do have a, the whistleblower. Okay. Uh, now, is this the guy that told him it? And is it an earthly whistle or a UFO whistle? Before Congress regarding the Pentagon's alleged spacecraft retrieval program this week, the objective here, I think, and the opportunity is for the American people to become to come to a better understand why it is that so many in Congress actually take seriously the idea that there are UFOs uh, that are violating U.S. airspace and the associated rumor allegation that we may have in our possession uh, off-world technology recovered from someone else's space program. Hmm. Uh, Mellon, who famously leaked video of three UFOs to the New York Times in 2017, added that he does believe Grush's claims that the U.S. has recovered spacecraft from around the world with the help of foreign leaders. Well, then Trump would have told us. Yeah. I think I think we would have learned everything. Well, I mean, that's the thing in the discussion. It's like, well, the president's the Pentagon's been keeping this quiet oh, since on. Roswell. I saw that yesterday, and I'm like, you're telling me no president knows that the Pentagon, going through the management changes that they go through all the time, has all decided from Democrat administration to Republican administration to keep it quiet. So And, to, to and the, they've all been able to keep it quiet. Over the years, think about that. 1948, yes. Even after leaving the Pentagon. Yes. Hmm. All right. And they kept it from the president. All right. Oh, there's a reason it's shaped like, you know, the Pentagon is shaped like a spaceship. (laughs) A five-sided... I saw this five-sided aircraft on the ground. Well, it was interesting because, of course, this was part of the discussion that I get into with people over the way. You're a talk show host. You talk a lot about uh, about this UFO thing. I go, no, that's the other show. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, you know, and, and the discussion got into some family members. I said, well, if you if you want to look at the odds, mm-hmm. what are the odds? I mean, where would it come from? 
where would the where would the aliens yeah. come from? Where would where would where would the spaceships come from? Yes. So you would have to be able to do a couple of things. You would have to be able to break the speed of light. Yeah. And unless based on the videos we've seen, you mean? Uh, Are you basing this based on? No. In order to get to the planet Earth, you'd have to be able to. You would have to be able to. There's two possibilities. Mm-hmm. If you want, if you want to go way out there, the two possibilities are that somebody has figured. Well, no, there's three. That there's a stealth planet close to us that's being cloaked. Hey, I got that from Star Trek. Or from, yeah. Uh, right. Uh, Star Trek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That so we don't see it, and they're able to keep out any type of radio signals or any type of uh, any type of visual or radio communications. They're able to to cloak from us. Mm-hmm. That would be number one. And so they don't have to travel at the speed of light. Right. The other, uh, the other would be they can travel at the speed of light. Mm-hmm. The other would be and that they've been they're here and they've been here forever. And they've been here forever, yes, or that they that they come from the future. Mm-hmm. They've always been here. It's simply future generations visiting us. Those are the very very tiny. <laughs> possibilities mm-hmm. uh and the, the i remember that in all of this discussion I remember i can't remember who the scientist was one time saying well what you have to what you have to understand is the the planet earth the billions of things that had to take place that intelligent life grew here mm-hmm. and you look out at the age of the solar system and everything else, and what it took to get us, the odds that you would have the the same type of evolution of life on a different planet that with this which that is in within travel distance of us uh, is almost impossible. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> well, here's what what I find interesting is the public on this sort of like, oh, whatever. If this was the 60s, they'd be going, oh, this is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, with the Project well, Blue Book and now it's like. it's Now it's just kind of a, you know, it is one of those paper or plastic discussions. <laughs> paper or plastic. I don't know. Plastic's pretty good, but. You know, toilet, paper's better. Toilet paper rolled yeah. up from the bottom or from the top? Yeah. <laughs> I'm too lazy to put it on the roll. Um, I- I'm just happy that it wasn't like contact, mm-hmm. you know, where the first thing they see is Hitler speaking at the 36 Olympics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's not start with that. Let let that not be the introduction. Yeah, because that, fre- yeah. that freaked out James Woods in that movie. Well... <laughs> You know, and then you look at at all the things that we haven't learned yet and go back to Donald Rumsfeld and apply it to quantum physics here. (laughs) We don't know what we don't know. Um, The known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. Uh, I tend to believe, as an Air Force brat, my simple mind works this way. We're seeing things that are experimental in nature, and they're from here. 
That's what it was in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yep. And the tic-tac thing, while I can't explain to you and tell you what it is, falls in that category. In my simple mind, likely falls in that category. And you look at what the uh, signatures were on whatever they could, you know, pick up, what they could follow, what they couldn't follow, how it was moving, and everything else. And then you get into the discussion of where we are in terms of surveillance, where we are in terms of manipulating uh, technology. And uh, to the tune of make you believe something's there when it's actually not there. Light bending. Mm-hmm. You know, things like things like that that are. I'm, I'm not that, saying that's what it is. Right. I'm saying my simple mind goes well, there first. Well, again, that's the whole. Th- I mean, the, the entire thing is you, for the longest time has been, um, well, there are so many billions of planets, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that there has to be intelligent life out there somewhere. And it was interesting, the scientists saying, no, just the opposite. Mm-hmm. Because in order to have life, you have to have a billion things go right. Mm-hmm. If one thing had gone wrong, we wouldn't have human life on this planet. Mm-hmm. If the moon wasn't there, we wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many different things. And, and then... To when you look at the evolution from the beginning of the universe to getting us here now, the point was that somebody to be some other planet to be on that exact time frame or accelerated way where where they're a million years ahead of us and therefore has have this incredible technology where they can go with the speed of light. Mm-hmm. They believe that possibility is is uh, that well the possibility that there is uh no life that could reach here is much greater than the odds that somebody could evolve at that same pattern and or much faster and be able to reach here right yeah now i don't know i can't tell you which one is right all i know is that in order to get the technology i don't know how you get to that technology as a life force of a, you know, any type of carbon-based life force to go at the speed of light and create a craft like that. Mm -hmm. Can we do that in a million years? Well, not us, because in a million years, the Democrats will want us in caves. Mm. So we don't destroy the planet. Yeah. And yeah. and so that you know so when you <laughs> hey I had to throw politics into it because it's true <laughs> that's a direction that they wish to head uh, after reading well, the L- if, after, if, after, if, after after reading the L A Times yeah. article which is like yeah. maybe we should do without electricity but if it takes us a million years to get there and then in a million years we can do time travel then we get back to the whole thing of Ugh. that being us in the future yeah. because if you can go back a year you can go back a million years and here we are again. Time for a break. Yeah. Okay. 866-90 Red Eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Drivers must always be prepared for a roadside inspection. This means drivers should always have their personal, vehicle, and company credentials organized and ready 
and having any shipment paperwork, such as bills of lading or hazardous material shipment emergency response information, organized and ready for the inspection official. Just an FYI, the top two violations written against drivers every year, as well as during Operation Road Check, are log general form and manner and log not current. Both are completely avoidable if the driver keeps the log accurate, compliant, and current at all times. Having the vehicle ready for inspection involves the driver conducting daily inspections and making sure any problems that are discovered are immediately corrected. Vehicle readiness also requires the company to make sure that the vehicle is current on all scheduled maintenance and that the maintenance schedule is adequate. This will make sure the driver is being given a sound vehicle to start with. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Hey, Toronto Radio, he's our Carly and I'm Gary McNamara coming up following the bottom of uh, the uh, the hour. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, finally have uh, more of a um, uh, more of an idea of what happened uh, last night. The Hunter Biden lawyer accused of misleading a clerk to block the release of of damning evidence. This is really fascinating. Mm. This is a law and order story. It really is uh, what what apparently I'll, I'll give you just a brief overview and we'll get to the more specifics from the actual article here. What uh, apparently uh, happened is that the Ways and Means Committee filed an amicus brief, a brief to the judge. The plea deal is supposed to go down today, hmm. stating that the plea deal shouldn't be done. And listed the reason it shouldn't be done, including the testimony from the whistleblowers. And so they officially put it in. And, you know, the legal department for the Ways and Means Committee. Right. So then they get this afternoon at one thirty, a thing from the court, you know, stating that, you know, you want to put this on the docket. It has been removed. Because what are you talking about? We calls them back. We didn't remove it. We didn't remove it. What are you talking about? Somebody from your office called and said, remove it. Because that wasn't anybody from my office where you're going to have to need to refile. So they refiled. Then they found out later on, they go through and ask the court, you know, the clerk's office, who did it. And they say it was this woman who said she was from your office. Well, they found out that the woman who apparently called is from a uh, Hunter Biden's, uh, uh, I guess, one of the law firms where one of Hunter Biden's friends used to work for. Are they representing and Hunter I'm, Biden? That, that's where I'm not. That's where I'm not. I'm, I'm going through the article right now. They claim. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you from the article. I'm not going to try to interpret it. I'll read the article coming up following the bottom of the okay. hour. Okay. All right. Okay. All right.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Okay, let me just read from the article here. It's Hunter Biden lawyer accused of misleading clerk to block release of damning evidence. First son Hunter Biden's legal team appeared to pull a dirty trick Tuesday to block the release of damning evidence ahead of his expected guilty plea to federal charges of tax evasion and weapons crimes. The drama began in the morning when the House Ways and Means Committee, all right, filed an amicus brief to the Delaware U.S. District Judge arguing that Hunter Biden had benefited from political interference, which calls into question the propriety of the investigation into alleged crimes, including money laundering, felony tax evasion, and failure to register as a foreign agent. The filing included testimony by two IRS whistleblowers who sat for transcribed interviews on May 26th and June 1st. What happened next was outlined in a letter sent to the judge Tuesday afternoon by the committee's top lawyer, Theodore Catella. So Catella works for the House Ways and Means Committee and, in essence, the Republican leadership that sent all this information in this brief to the judge saying, you should not agree to this plea deal. Wow. All right. At approximately 1.30 p.m., we received word that our filing was removed from the docket. Catella, who was the lawyer for the House Ways and Means Committee, we promptly contacted the clerk's office, and we were advised that someone contacted the court representing that they worked for my office, emphasis original, <laughs> yeah. uh, my office, which is Catella, the lawyer for the House Ways and Means Committee, who submitted that brief to stop the plea deal from going, but someone had contacted the court uh, representing that they worked for my office and that they were asking the court to remove this from the docket. We immediately advised that this was inaccurate. The clerk's office responded that we would need to refile, which we have done so now. Catilla included email exchanges with court officials and Hunter Biden's attorneys in the fresh filing. Uh, this is what the court said uh, to Mr. Catilla, Theodore Catilla, who's the lawyer for the House Ways and Means Committee. Hi, Ted. Following up on our recent telephone conversation, the woman who called was a Jessica Bengals, confirmed court official Samantha Grimes. She said she worked with Theodore Catilla, and it was important the document was removed immediately or they could file a motion to seal. I do deeply apologize for all the confusion on our part. Bengals is the director of litigation services for the New York-based law firm Lathan and Watkins, where Hunter Biden attorney Chris Clark was formerly a partner. When Cantilla confronted the first son's legal team, uh, Hunter's attorneys tried to claim that the filing contained confidential tax and identifying information, even though the whistleblower testimony had been public for more than a month. The timestamps from the emails also indicate the request to take the document down was made after Catilla refused a request 
to file the testimony under seal, which means it wouldn't come out. Right. As far as I'm aware, the managing attorney from Lengthen called our clerk's office to note that personal tax information of the defendant had been filed in a non-reacted manner and to inquire regarding having the information sealed as we told you we would and you said you understood, Clark wrote. As far as I'm aware, the clerk took the filing down on their own accord. Your attempts to publicly file my client's personal information with no protection is improper, illegal, and in violation of applicable, applicable rules. We will seek all appropriate sanctions in response to your actions. Cotilla then warned you should probably take a step back from your statements. The clerk's office advised that it was represented to her that the request was being made by my firm. We will be advising the judge of this improper conduct. Clark then responded, I stand by all my statements, and I hope you have an affidavit from the clerk that support the, in support of yours. Clark responded, in the evening order, the judge gave Hunter's attorney until 9 p.m. to show cause as to why sanctions should not be considered for misrepresentations to the court, while noting they had not formally filed any request to seal evidence in the matter. However, she also ordered the filing sealed until the close of business on Wednesday. We filed what was already public, voted out of Congress as something for the judge to be aware of, uh, said a uh, Ways and Means Committee spokesperson. They then misrepresented themselves to try to get it down shortly before 9 p.m. Bengal submitted an affidavit in which she blamed a miscommunication among the clerks for the removal of the Ways and Means filing. So the lawyer is blaming the clerks for doing it. I'm completely confident that I never indicated that I was calling for Mr. Catella's firm or that I worked with him in any way. This is just so bizarre wow. and strange, is it not? Never underestimate the ability of Joe Biden to F things up. I mean, even when you're talking about such a, you know, involved situation, it, it seems they can't help themselves. Well, in a letter to the judge, Hunter's uh, l lawyer said, we have no idea how the misunderstanding occurred. Uh -huh, uh -huh. How does it happen? Though? Uh, oh, come on. We we don't we don't even know how this would happen unless the clerks are being unless the clerks are, clerks are hey, being bribed. Hey Gary, unless the clerks are being bribed uh -huh. by Hunter Biden to uh -huh. do this. I I don't I don't know I don't know who that cocaine belongs to, but we can't even do an investigation. So, you know, never mind. Seriously. Oh, my gosh. This whole thing, if I'm the judge, I'm going, I'm putting the brakes on this. I'm not going to make, we're not moving forward on this. I'm putting the brakes until I can learn a lot more about this situation. This is so bizarre. Because if today in the hearing, everything is just rubber stamped and it just moves forward. By the way, politically, that's also Horrible for Joe Biden. Yeah, I've I've read a, a number of conservative uh, uh, people that have said, you know, the they if they originally did this to try to make this thing all quiet and go away, because if you see the media response to it, well, mm -hmm. okay, Hunter, this thing's going to be over next week. You saw what's her name uh, from uh, Face the Nation mm -hmm. uh, with Chris Christie. Well, when this is all over by Wednesday, uh, should the Republicans just drop it and move on to something else? 
as if this is only Hunter Biden, that the allegations of bribe just don't exist. We're just right. ignoring that portion right. of it. Yeah. You know, completely, and that's where Chris Christie, we played the audio yesterday, said, no, 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 it shouldn't. And, and you know, it was, I, I think it was a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the hearing. And, and I said, you know, it does, it won't look good if they rubber stamp it and it, and, and we move along here. In fact, that reeks of cover up. It, it already reeks of cover up. If you want to throw fuel on the cover up fire, then rubber stamp it and move on. It's gonna it's going to hurt Joe Biden one way or the other politically. So what let let's just we'll simplify it now. Mm. No. So this the the plea deal, you know, the the hearing for the plea deal is supposed mm. to be today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Where he pleads guilty and she's gonna be asking probably quite a few questions as to, you know, what's going on. Mm. So yesterday the Ways and Means Committee that have done so much of the investigating of Hunter Biden and has the IRS whistleblowers sent to the judge through the law clerks uh, an amicus brief stating you shouldn't do this. Here are the reasons why this, 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 and this. And here is a testimony of IRS whistleblowers that have said this whole process is corrupt. So they give it to the judge's clerks. Mm Mm-hmm. Basically, the court clerks work for the judge. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, by the time you get to the afternoon, it's gone. It's not part of the it's not part of what's going to go to the judge. Yeah, right. It, it disappeared. It's it's taken off. The clerks then, you know, inform uh, the attorney for the House Ways and Means Committee. OK. Uh, it's been removed. He goes, what are you talking about? Put it back, put it back. Well, we we just can't. You have to refile. I'm refiling right now. They do it. What happened? Well, this woman called and said she worked for your office. So they contact the woman, and the woman says, no, I didn't do that at all. It's the clerk's fault. They all did it. Must be a miscommunication there. How do you miscommunicate something like this? With ever, With all the knowledge of what's going on, how is there a miscommunication between the clerks? Well, then you look at the possibilities. Either she did that from, you know, working for the the uh, the, the lawyer buddies of, of Hunter Biden, either that Miss Bengals, I think her name, either she did it, she made that call and misrepresented herself, or the clerks decided, or the clerk, the clerks, whatever, decided, okay, uh, we stand by Hunter. Let's just let make this thing disappear. Mm-hmm. Either way, well, the clerks, let's say they did that, they're gone. Oh, right? Yeah. They yeah. would be. They would be. Yeah. They would be gone. How is it a miscommunication if nobody called and she's saying, "Well, yeah, I I called, uh, but I didn't say this. Here's what I said. I wonder if they taped the phone." That was the next thing I was going to ask because you always get, you know, you make a phone call and it's uh, this call may be recorded for training purposes. Usually it's a private sector kind of, you know, business or corporation that does that. But why wouldn't they record the phone calls at the, uh, well, you wouldn't, you, you probably wouldn't. Could there be, you know, things that are said 
involving a case, you might not record. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, what are the odds that in the oh. hundreds of thousands yeah. of cases yeah, yeah. that happen every day, right? That they just that all of a sudden this, this is the one that somehow disappears from the docket. Yeah. And then Hunter's and, and, lawyers, and, oh, and, it's just a mix and, and with the clerk saying, the oh, clerk's office on. saying, no, this woman called and misrepresented herself. Oh, no, I didn't. The clerk's, mis- they, they somehow miscommunicated this uh, so, entire thing. So a clerk is going to risk their job by making it up, right? I mean, I just don't buy that. Somebody's smoking crack, and I think we all know who it is. The co- the cocaine belonged to you know, because something like this happens, and you say to yourself, because this is one thing we've talked about with the Department of Justice, the FBI, is everybody corrupt? And then you sit there and say you have to get to the point of saying if the DOJ is corrupt, if the FBI is corrupt, yeah. why can't the courts be corrupt? Yeah, right. Why can't the infrastructure of it? Maybe not the judge. The judge is a Trump appointee. Well, but it, but is the culture is, we talk is, 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 the, is talk a about. culture yeah. of everything of you know anybody who you know that that the culture is so great that you can find well, somebody who will do something that would be this illegal. It's Fight Club. I don't need Tyler Durden to tell me what to do. I know what to do. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. <laughs> Reading this headline, Liz Cheney hints she may run for president. I'm not going to do anything that helps Trump. Uh, she, <laughs> I'll make a decision about uh, sort of what I do and what comes next later on this year. Um, I'm going to hint at her never being president. Well, he, she was asked in the interview whether she would run mm-hmm. and indicated she would run as an independent if it would hurt Trump. But she's not running to win. She would be running to hurt Trump. To be the spoiler. That she would pull Republican yeah. votes right. from Trump. Right. She might be the first uh, Republican uh, as an independent or whatever to get zero votes. Well, no, Dad would vote for her. Yeah, and she'd vote for her. I don't mean my dad. <laughs> yeah, her dad. Exactly. <laughs> That'd be funny. She only gets one, and it's her vote. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's no one calling for her to run. Sorry. In fact, if you look at the field of those that are officially in, aside from DeSantis and Trump, there's no one calling for those individuals to run, and with all due respect to them, that's just the case.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.